Isaiah chapter 9 at verse 6 to be found on page 694 of your Bibles. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And the second reading is from Luke 1, which you'll find on page 1025 in the Bibles. The birth of Jesus foretold. This is Luke 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said, who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So much. Um, Technical, I've I've switched, I'm just telling the sound guy, I've switched the roving mic so that I can move about a bit, that's all right. Um, Well, you know a little bit about me, so that's a good start. I'd like to know how your Christmas planning is going. Now, are you the great planners? You know, have you written your list? You've already done your shopping? Everything's ready already? That would be like my mother, who informed me a few weeks ago, to my absolute amazement, she'd already done all the Christmas shopping. 
whereas I have to admit that I'm a little bit behind her on the schedule. She's written the Christmas letter. It seems to be one of her traditions that she sends a long letter to everybody that she is sending you. Have you checked it? Have you checked the Christmas letter? She started on her cards, and I have to say I have managed, I think, to buy a pack of cards because I passed them and thought they looked quite nice, but I haven't got much further on the list. I don't know where you are with your planning. Well, I want to say that God's planning for the first Christmas was extraordinary. Have you ever thought about when God started to plan the first ever Christmas? He's not like me, lastminute.com. He's more uh, pre-time.com. And he will have started planning the first Christmas before you were even alive, before time began. He knew his plan for the whole of our universe. That's how long his planning goes. Um, So he beats my mum, which is quite an achievement. So he would start his planning that far in advance. And he's a God who follows out those plans. And we began to see that, didn't we, in those verses in Isaiah that were read. How long in advance God was actually telling people about Jesus. His plan started even before that. His plan started when he thought of the idea of human beings, of having a relationship with people. That's how long back his planning started. He started by planning a universe and a world and bringing it into being because he wanted to be in relationship with human beings like you and me. That's how long ago he started his planning. And he began to bring it into being. And he created our extraordinary world. And in that world, he created the first people to be in relationship with him. A bit like the best Christmas party, really, but to go on forever. (laughs) So always being with the people that you love and always being in relationship. And that was the plan. But the problem was the first people didn't like the plan. They thought they might have a little go at the planning themselves. Have you ever done that when someone's been really good at planning and then you think you just interject a little on the plans? My husband's quite a planner. And um, actually, on our wedding day, I somewhat interjected into the plans because he had a, he, he'd done some. He wrote a schedule for my more, for the morning of, of, of our wedding day. He wrote down a schedule of, and gave that to my sister and my best friend. He thought that might help, but I still managed, I have to say, to get a cheeky hot chocolate in before the service in the church cafe round the corner, and still made it there on time. So I thought it was pretty going. Could have been a snag, I guess, if I'd spilt it down my dress. Uh, that, might have, that might have messed up the planning altogether. But you see, God had a plan, and he had a plan to be in relationship with people forever. That's God's plan, to always be in loving relationship with people forever, and to share love, and to share community, and to share family. That is his plan. But the first people, well, they were a bit of a hot chocolate moment. They were like, really? They thought they would do things their way. And they broke down the plan, because they said, Wait, do you know what? They just disrupted God's plan, but God knew. God was such an incredible planner that he knew that the first people that he created could take that decision and could go their own way. And he knew that the ultimate answer was to bring Jesus to sort it all out. So he started from the beginning knowing that he would send his son, Jesus, into our world 
God would come and live amongst us. That is how long the planning was. Can you imagine the planning meeting in heaven about this plan? Right, I've got this great idea. We're going to, you know, so so, uh, let's see. Where should we send Jesus and at what time? What sort of person should we pick for being the person who would carry God, if you like, carry the baby Jesus and, and bring Jesus to be. If he's been in the interview panel for this, for this job description, I wonder what we'd have written down on the Mary job description. Well, I think she'd need a pretty high level of education to carry this one through. Where might we think she should live? Well, we want to give Jesus the best possible chance, don't we? So let's think about where he should be born, where we could give him the best possible chance of, you know, everything that he might need. And um, what else should we look about, Mary? Uh, yeah, I, 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 can you imagine what, what would you write on that job description for Mary? Can you imagine the angels in the planning meeting? And then Jesus goes, I've got just the person. I've picked her out. She's right there. She's a bit young, isn't she? A little bit young. Don't you think she's a bit young? She doesn't seem to have much background, much um, experience of life. He picked just the right person because God's planning is extraordinary. And he was looking for really different things than what we would look for if we were trying to pick out Mary. And we see that when you read this beautiful passage which we had read to us this morning, you see this incredible girl. Mary is really a nobody. She was, she was, just a, she was a really normal Jewish girl. Um, And she had some life plans. She had some quite exciting life plans at this particular moment. She had been pledged to marry Joseph. So she's there doing her wedding planning. I don't know what Jewish wedding planning looked like in those days. I expect your parents had a lot to do with it myself. Um, And so she, she was at that exciting moment in her life where she had a plan. She had her own plan, didn't she, Mary? Mary's life plan was that she was going to marry Joseph, live in Nazareth, um, and and, and have a family. And she she was very happy with her plan. And into this plan comes God's plan. God's plan goes, this is just the woman I want. She's young. She's really normal. She's round the back in Nazareth in a, in a completely forgotten place. It's definitely not London. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's where we wouldn't think to pick someone, but he's seen her heart. You see, God's plans are so different to our plans, aren't they? His assessment of us as people is so different to our assessment. And so he picks out Mary because he sees her heart her heart is for God. Her heart is right. Her attitudes, her mind, the way that she's so devoted. And he goes, I want, I'm going to choose that one. Gabriel, I've planned this from all eternity. I've planned it from the very beginning. And she is exactly right. At this particular moment in human history, from the beginning of time, I have planned that Jesus will be born to this woman in this place at this time. Now, she didn't have much of the plan at that moment. Gabriel turns up. Can you imagine that? We're not talking the uh, five-year-old girl in a white outfit with tinsel on her head, which we normally depict as angels on, on our, in our Christmas nativities. We're talking huge angel. We're talking kind of, think of the sort of biggest man you can think of, very mighty, very strong. Add in shining, utter brilliance that you wouldn't have even wanted to look at. I don't know what she was doing, sweeping the floor. And in comes Gabriel. I mean, this is staggering. This is terrifying. And of course she's afraid. Wouldn't you be? And, and she's afraid. And, Ab- and Gabriel goes, don't, don't be afraid. I've actually got some really great news for you, Mary. 
<laughs> I've got some fantastic news. I've come from God to tell you that you are going to give birth to a son who's going to be God on earth, and he is going to inherit the throne of, his, of David. Fantastic news. Now, at that moment, what would your questions have been? Now, hold on a minute. I had a plan. I was marrying Joseph. It's happening in like a month's time. I've got that sorted, thank you. Uh, I know you're a big angel, but I'm really not sure, I'm really not sure I can fit this in. Or actually, my, my schedule. Have you seen my schedule for wedding shopping? Should have seen mine. Have you seen my schedule for wedding shopping? There really isn't. I'm not sure this is convenient. Or this craziness of you are going to carry someone who's going to take the throne. Uh, has anybody noticed we're under Roman occupation? You know, we're under Roman occupation. You don't go around saying, it's all right, well, I'm going to give birth to a child and they are going to sit on the, the throne of David. I mean, who goes around saying that unless if you want to live? You don't if you want to live under Roman occupation. This is an extraordinary change of plan here, people. This is the will of God coming to a small, normal girl in a, in a completely forgotten part And yet, for God, this moment, he's like, this is my plan. And what does Mary go? Mary doesn't come up with that list of things. She just kind of looks at the angel. She's terrified, and she says, but how? I I mean, how are you going to do this, God? I, 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 you know, I'm not married yet. How is this going to happen? Absolutely terrified. But but kind of, what is the plan? Okay, so how how would this happen? And, And... Gabriel comes up with, uh, can you imagine this answer? The Holy Spirit will come on you. God himself is going to rest on you. And you are going to conceive. And the child you conceive will be, of the, will be God's son. What would your, res- let's be honest, what would your response be to that moment of instruction? When God's plan comes, what would your response have been? giving you a pause, giving you a thought. And what is Mary's incredible response? No wonder he picked Mary. Look at her. She goes, yes. She says, yes. She says, yes, to this extraordinary and phenomenal ask. She says, okay, then, I'm going to put my plans aside, which, which I've kind of got, well, going quite well, really. And, and I am going to choose to walk in the plans of God because I am your servant. So I give up my plan over here and I am gonna, I'm, I'm just going to say yes. And I am going to trust that God, in all his greatness, has got this one covered. He's got it covered that I'm not married. I, we're talking Jewish culture. Can you imagine what an upheaval that would have been? in her culture of that day. You couldn't just... It's impossible. It's like she would have been ostracized. God must have a plan. I'll trust him. What about the the fact that he's going to sit on a throne? Well, if God says so, I'll trust him. That is why God picked Mary. That is why God picked Mary. And sometimes I wonder, if all my great planning and all the things I dream of... And all the things that I think that I am and that I do in my life get in the way of what God is simply calling for me. Because I've lost a bit of my mariness. 
I think when I was 18, I was a much more Mary-like, actually. There's something sometimes about being young, isn't there? When I was 18, I think I was more Mary-like when I was 18. I was a bit more willing to lay down what I wanted and to listen to what God was saying. My plan or God's plan? Do you ever have an argument with God about that? A bit of a tussle where you kind of feel God saying one thing and you, you, you're like, oh, but, but the thing is, God, I, it's kind of, and God tussles with us over some of these things. And I feel maybe as I've got older, I've got more um, set and it's more difficult for God actually to speak into that. But I need to. Um, in our current world, we have an epidemic of anxiety. Um, and that's partly because we hold on to our planning. Um, in our current world, we are supposed to be self-fulfilled people. We're supposed to find ourselves. We're supposed to do it ourselves. We're supposed to make ourselves. We're supposed to do the decisions ourselves. Have you heard that wonderful phrase, you do you? It's a bit like, um, you do you. That's, our, I will sort it out myself. I will create my own plan. I will find it in myself. And it's led to the most incredible cause of anxiety. Now, you might think what Mary said on that day would be, make her pretty anxious. But the strange thing is, she then walked in this thing called the freedom, freedom and peace, because she had given her plans to God. She'd given up. She'd stepped over. She'd said, okay, I'm in. It's yours. And I think often the anxiety that we hold as we try to do it ourselves, sort it out ourselves, is because we are holding on so tight, trying to make it happen, hold it all together. And God says, let go. Be like Mary. Trust my plans for your life. And if people here have never done that, it's the biggest and most important decision you ever make, is to stand and to give up, to give up your plans and to say yes to God's plans. It's an extraordinary thing to do, but in that is freedom. I remember once when I was really struggling um, on a, in, in a life issue, my dad came to visit me. I was at a, a theological college at the time, and he said, I have left a bookmark in, in a hymn book, uh, and he gave me the number of it somewhere in the library. It's a bit like a kind of, you know, challenge. Anyway, I had to go off and find this hymn book to discover which hymn my dad had put um, a marker in. And it was just, it was a beautiful hymn, and it talked all about, the will of God. And I've written it down somewhere, but now I can't find it. Here we are. It's quite old English. Thou sweet beloved will of God, my anchor ground, my fortress hill, my spirit silent fair abode, in thee I hide me and am still. And there's a beautiful line later on which says, my freedom is thy grand control. My freedom is thy grand control. And often in my life, sometimes I do wrestle with the things that are happening and I, I want to grab it back and, and God pulls it on. And sometimes this looks, my nephew is always saying about talks, you need to make it really practical for people. It's a good person to have. He's not here today, but I, had him, I always have him in the back of my mind. Make it, what does that look like? What does it look like, Rachel, on a daily basis to be walking in the will of God? Well, sometimes really unglamorous. Um, I live in a house with three interns and my niece and nephew. And sometimes I just don't want, I would really like more of my own time. And I really don't want to do the little shop again. And, and I, I really don't want to cook dal yet again for 20 people. I, and the slow cooker hasn't been scrubbed out from last time. And nobody's unloaded the dishwasher. And really, it would have been nice if Darren and I could have, maybe we should, maybe we should have just stayed in our little, little flat somewhere. 
um, living out of lives which were much more self-contained rather than having this invasion sometimes. But you see, that's how we've been discipling people and doing the life of community that God has called us to. So I need to still go to Little, make Dahl. So it's not very glamorous sometimes following the will of God. And other times, it's, um, I had to go in for a scan uh, last week, a kind of operation thing to see what was going inside of me. And it could have been very bad news. And I had to trust Jesus. You have to walk in there with faith that whatever that news is, whatever that news is, that I have a God who is bigger. And the point is this, we are living for the big game. And so often we look at the short game. And Mary on that day when she said yes, began to live for the big game. She let go and she let God. And so the question today is, whose plan are you following? And have you surrendered your plan to Jesus? And when you do that, um, look at what happened to Mary. She ended up having to get on a donkey and going to Bethlehem when she was nine months pregnant. Would you think that was a good plan? Probably not. But God was in charge, so she trusted him. She had to give birth, not in a nice hotel suite or a palace, people. She gave birth to God's son, probably in a peasant home, and had to put him in a feeding trough. Not ideal circumstances. We might not choose it. She trusted God. God said this was good. She trusted him. Then you get Herod wanting to kill baby Jesus, and they off, to, off she has to go with Joseph as a refugee. Who would have picked that as a great start in life? None of us. But God was fulfilling promises and words and plans that he had spoken from the beginning of time. So when you follow Jesus, no, it doesn't all go rosy. But when you follow Jesus, you have perfect freedom and trust. And the ultimate person, we've all prayed that prayer today. We've all prayed, your will be done. Don't ever pray that lightly. Pray it like Mary, with the whole of your heart. Your will be done. That means not my plan. That means God's plan. And we've prayed that all today. And the ultimate person who prayed that, we all know who that was, don't we? Jesus. Jesus, the day before, the night before he was crucified, he got down on his knees and he said, not mine, not my will, but your will. Jesus, as a human, fully God, he, he did not want to be crucified. But he said yes. And because he said yes, I get to say yes. And we all get to say yes. And God fulfills the whole plan that he's had from the beginning. Pretime.com getting us all to eternity with him forever. It's the greatest adventure. It's the greatest yes. And so God stands again today and says, are you in? Will you say yes? Will you say your will, not mine?